Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode. This one is called Reclaiming Ecclesia, parentheses, with Heschel's help, unparentheses. This is The Ambushed. I don't know if I like that title anymore. In all honesty, I think I do. But that's just me being honest. Anyways, thank you for listening. It's a privilege that any of you think I have anything good to offer to the world, but you are delightful, so thank you for listening. My name is John Chafee. I was trained as a pastor, and I have always enjoyed talking about the person of Jesus. I just had a great conversation on the phone with somebody who said, some of us were given sometimes a a small view of Jesus, and it was good for a time, but after a while... They needed Jesus that was bigger or deeper. And uh, I think this is meant for some people that want their Jesus to go bigger or deeper. And I think it's important to even give a, a disclaimer. So let's say you're listening and you have a quote-unquote allergic relac- reaction to anything religious. Great. That's awesome because probably you are having an allergic reaction to bad religion. And that's totally normal. Hopefully in the course of this episode, and if you go back and listen to other ones, you will hear a different angle that hopefully won't give you a quote unquote allergic reaction. Because I actually think the Bible is meant for not just Christians. I actually think that there is some deep and profound wisdom and who cares Just start reading it because there is some ancient wisdom that has been passed down for thousands of years that are really still applicable today. And in fact, that's what today is about, reclaiming Sabbath. And uh, really what we're going to do today is talk about how the Bible is way more progressive and ahead of its time than we are even right now. So most people read the Bible thinking that it's archaic or behind the times or whatever you want to say. However, there are parts of it that are absolutely still ahead of the times, even 2,000 years later after it's compiling. So thank you for listening. Once again, my name is John. I have a Patreon at patreon.com backslash John Chafee. If you think that this is offering something good to the world, it would be wonderful to have you. Um, We already have a few supporters that are great and I I try to interact with them when I can. And it's just remarkable. It's just just a delight. Thank you. Um, And if you'd like to be a part of this and maybe some other things I've got going on in the future, that would be great. But for now, let's get into it. Reclaiming Sabbath. This is somewhat of an overflow from a talk that I gave at the church I work at on teen anxiety. And there was a whole subsection in the talk that was just about Sabbath. And I thought, 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 thought why not do a whole that was just, just Sabbath? So whether you come from a religious background or not, today is all about you and being healthier and incorporating the wisdom of Sabbath, because this is good stuff. So let's get right on into it. This is uh, 
hopefully not too long of an episode, but I'm going to not wait until Monday to put it out like I sometimes do. I'm going to try to put it up earlier in the week because this some of the things we're going to talk about today are going to be things to incorporate throughout your week leading up to your day off. So, the Ford Motor Company. Now, you maybe you didn't expect we were going to start there, but the Ford Motor Company was one of the first major companies after the Industrial Revolution that said 48-hour work weeks in the factory is not good. Now, granted, they were taking it from the angle it's not good for productivity because their own workers, the stress was going up, joy was going down, depression was going up, quality of life was going down, and the workers were not doing well. Now, some people like to say that the Ford Motor Company is responsible for why there is such a thing as a 40-hour work week. That's not quite true, but they were absolutely one of the largest and the most well-known companies to start enforcing a 40-hour work week. Now, why is this important? Because at least in Western culture, we are absolutely encouraged to go into overwork. It is seen as a virtue, not as a vice, and that is sometimes coming at our own destruction. In fact, there are some people that like to say that we are so ahead of the times because we are not like those primitive people back in the day that used to sacrifice their firstborns. So back in the day, there was child sacrifice. Now granted, maybe we don't do it by throwing a child into a fire, but we actually sacrifice our children in a different way when we try to bow down and cater to the god of productivity. Child sacrifice still happens today, it just takes a different form. And So what we have in a culture that virtues... Uh, over productivity and overwork, we end up sacrificing something somewhere. And it is often coming at our own health and well-being. And in fact, there might be a, some of you that are listening that recognize, like, man, I am absolutely sacrificing things that should be primary, uh, all in the name of work. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't have to do our our job in order to pay some of our bills, but we live, we work to live, not live to work. And uh, sometimes we need to, to balance that out. Now, all of this is seemingly like an awkward topic. Some people don't like to talk about it, and sometimes people try to avoid it because to name the thing that we're doing sometimes makes us uncomfortable. But this is how the scriptures are actually ahead of their time. So whether or not you're a church-going person or not, just listen. Because I'm going to try to flesh out some of the wisdom that's happening in the midst of all of this. There are some, some studies that have been done that says the natural human being has a natural biorhythm. Now, of course, that's not just uh, what time of day do you eat, but also how often do you sleep. 
And so if you're either getting to the point of sleeping 14 hours a night or four hours a night, that's not your normal biorhythm. We're originally supposed to go to sleep when the sun goes down and wake up when it comes up. And unfortunately, because of the invention of the light bulb, one of the hindrances of the light bulb is it has destroyed our sleep patterns. And so sometimes modern culture doesn't really value personal health and biorhythms. If you think about bears, if you think about other animals, squirrels, you think about forest creatures, they have a yearly rhythm where they gather food, they eat up enough food, and then they hibernate. That is a part of the normal rhythm. Now, if you were to see squirrels or bears or other creatures out when otherwise they should be hibernating, you would say, "Mm, something's off there. That rhythm is off. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Because I had a conversation with a friend out in, gosh, where were we? Oh, we were in Texas. And a good friend, Jason, and I were having a conversation about overwork. And his comment was, uh, many times we go about our lives trying to find balance. As if we're trying to balance work and free time. But he says balance is actually incredibly difficult to maintain. And maybe you have experienced this. But you can keep working more and more. But you can't really add to your vacation time. Or else you'll get fired, right? But there's something to be said that balance might be a myth. And so maybe it'd be better to incorporate a sense of rhythm. Do you have a rhythm to your life, to your day, to your week, to your month, to your year that enables you to not have to drain yourself, to lose joy, to finally steal away and take a long vacation because your real life is actually unbearable? If we were to incorporate a rhythm throughout the rest of the year or month or week or day, we might find our lives a bit more sustainable. And so this is where it comes down to it. The Bible and the scriptures are actually quite progressive and ahead of their times and even still challenge our way of doing life here now. And in order to do that, I need to read a passage, and then I'm going to pull some ideas out from a famous book written by this guy, Abraham Joshua Heschel, who I personally thoroughly enjoy. So let's dive in. I'm going to read a passage from the Gospel of Matthew, which is one of the four biographies of Jesus, and it's all about this thing, Sabbath. So let's get into it. Ready? This is from Matthew 12, and it reads, About that time, Jesus was going through the cornfields on the Sabbath. And his disciples, feeling hungry, began to pluck some ears of corn and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is forbidden on the Sabbath. He answered, Have you not read what... David did when he and his men were hungry. He went into the house of God and ate the sacred bread. Though neither he nor his men had the right to eat it, but only the priests. 
Or have you not read in the law that the sa- on the Sabbath the priests in the temple break the Sabbath and they are not held to be guilty? But I tell you, there is something greater than the temple here. If you had known what this text means, it is mercy I require, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. He went on to another place and entered their synagogue. A man was there with a withered arm, and he asked Jesus, Is it permitted to heal on the Sabbath? Because they wanted to bring a charge against him. But he said to them, Suppose you had one sheep and it fell into the ditch on the Sabbath. Is there a single one of you who would not catch hold of it and lift it out? Surely a man is worth far more than the sheep. It is therefore permitted to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your arm. And he stretched it out, and it was made sound again, like the other hand. But the Pharisees, on leaving that synagogue, plotted to bring about Jesus' death. And that's how it ends. They decide to plot for Jesus' death after he revamps their understanding of Sabbath. Now, Sabbath was one of those things that was uh, instituted back in the book of Genesis. Very early on, the scriptures say that Jesus, I mean, that God created the world in six days and then rested on the seventh. He created a rest day. And that has since come to be known as a Sabbath. Do you have a rest day in the rhythm of your week? So we're going to talk about that. But before we do, this passage is important because so many times people will take the religious or ritual that's good and misunderstand it and then cling to their misunderstanding with such fervor that they're then blind to the goodness that it really has to offer. So for instance, in this case, the Pharisees loved the sanctity of the Sabbath, which is fine, but they didn't understand that the Sabbath exists for health, not just for the sake of being sacred. And so what do you understand from this? What, what can we take from this? It's that your day off should be meant towards health. And if you don't have a Sabbath that's geared towards your health and well-being, then you're actually living behind the times of Jesus, which is quite archaic. And actually, in this case, Jesus and his teaching is still ahead of the time. What does it mean that Jesus, who is the most well-known spiritual figure probably across the globe took a Sabbath and, and took it out of the hands of the priests and said, this is meant for the health and well-being of people. So we're going to talk about that, and I'm going to bring up a book called The Sabbath by Abraham Joshua Heschel, who is somebody that I've talked about a bunch on this before, but he also was a civil rights activist. He was an incredible rabbi. He wrote incredible pieces like Man's Search for God and God's Search for Man. He wrote an incredible book called The Prophets that was from his PhD 
dissertation that he made into a book form. So this man has made some amazing contributions, but it's fascinating that I have not seen many books written by church-going folks just about the Sabbath. It's almost as though it's one of those topics that we don't quite know what to do with. And that might be because the Protestant work ethic is too, oh gosh, it's too sacred. As soon as you start to mess with uh, work ethic, it's almost like then you're sinning full out. Then you're committing wrongs against everyone and culture and everything. But actually, going back to the Ford Motor Company, we are better and healthier when we actually have a rhythm of taking a rest. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Sabbath. We're going to talk about rest. And I'm going to give you some ideas and then towards the end, give you some practical tips that I incorporate. So here we go. The Hebrew scriptures have got this unique thing where they call certain things holy and other things they don't even comment on. But it's fascinating because if you were to read just the Hebrew scriptures straight through, the first, second, and third things that they call holy are one, time, two, man, or people, then three, space. So time, people, space. What order do you put holiness to? In what order do you consider things unique or special? Because I would wager we probably like to um, probably put time last. If we were to say that something is unique, special, holy, we would probably say maybe space or people first. We are really good with sacred space. We're, we're somewhat okay with sacred people. But to have an idea of sacred time is something completely other. And that's interesting to me that the Hebrew scriptures actually say time is the first thing that it announces as special, unique, peculiar, holy. Now, one of the possible reasons why we don't understand or don't have a rhythm of Sabbath or rest in our own lives is because uh, Heschel liked to say the preparation for your day off is, is, a, is as important as your actual day off. And sometimes I think we may maybe never get around to fully having a day off that has nothing to do with work or productivity and just about rest because we don't we don't always plan far out to have a day off. So for instance, let's say you know you have an hour of work you need to do on Saturday. What does it look like to work an extra 12 hours, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, so that on Saturday you don't have to do that one hour of work? Sometimes we put things off on Friday because like, eh, it's okay, I can do it tomorrow on my day off. It's like, no, do it today so that tomorrow can be completely free and just about rest and health and incorporating a rhythm of Sabbath. And so 
Heschel also liked to talk about how it's important to have pilgrimage, that you should see the whole week as anticipation towards or as a journey towards a Sabbath, towards a time of which you consider wholly peculiar. And um, one of the most amazing things from his book is that in 1951, when it was published, he had this one line that he says, it would be also best to just not use technology. Now, they didn't have cell phones back then, or iPhones, or laptops, or anything else. But he says this, it's not that the Sabbath is a rejection of technology, that we just stop doing it. It's actually about cultivating independence from it, which is so ahead of the times, even from his perspective of 1951. It is an obvious critique that in today's culture, we are slaves to technology. We are slaves to busyness. We are slaves to hurry. We are slaves to the crowd. But at least in the wisdom of the spiritual traditions of probably of all the world, I can really only speak for one, it's that there's a double edge to free will that you and I have the ability to make decisions on our own. The double edge is great. You have the freedom to choose this or that, but that also means you have a choice of what you are a slave to. And maybe some of us don't have a rhythm or haven't cultivated uh, a pattern of rest or health or restoration to our week or even our day because we've chosen to be a slave to other things. We've, been, we've chosen to become a slave to unhealth, to unhealthy behaviors and habits. We've chosen to become a slave to overwork and being overscheduled. I work in a profession where I sometimes hear families say, oh, we are so busy. We're always doing things. And of course, they, they very rightly can point back at me, be like, well, John, you don't have kids, so you don't know what it's like. It's like, well, that's true. But no one ever told you you have to be overscheduled. We just don't know how to encourage good boundaries and learn how to say no. Sometimes in order to have a good Sabbath, a good day off, a good time of rest and restoration, we have to learn how to say no to good things, like a Little League game, like... I don't know, anything else. We have to learn how to say no to those good things so that we can say yes to something that's better. Which is maybe it would be healthier for you as a person and for your spouse and maybe for your whole family to have one day a week that has zero commitments on it. Now, the the interesting thing is some people think that's not possible today. But at least in the Hebrew scriptures, if the Jewish people, as they were slaves in Egypt, if they could do it back then, then we can do it today. That's another instance in which maybe back then they were more progressive and had better boundaries than we do today. What does it look like for you, your spouse, and maybe your family to have no commitments one day a week? And I would wager that some of you probably just like 
had your shoulders relaxed just imagining one day that had no obligations to it. And But imagine that one day you could wake up and do whatever you felt like doing, whatever whim came to your mind. And maybe that idea that came to your mind was exactly what you and your spouse and your family needed. What does it mean to have a pilgrimage to your Sabbath each week? What does it mean to consider your preparation that enables your one day to be completely free? I mean, even one of the hardest things is on your day off, maybe you are capable of not doing any work, not being productive for your job's sake. But it's another thing to also learn, and this is real hard, this is going one step further, to even rest from the thought of doing work. It's one thing to not work on your day off. It's another thing to not even think about the work that you have to do while on your day off. Because you can sit there all day for 24 hours and not do anything job related. But if you're still thinking about all the tasks that you need to do, you might still be in slavery, if you want to use that lingo. You might still be in slavery to productivity, to overwork. And that goes back to this really unique turn about the Sabbath. Let's say you take a day off. Let's say you figure out a way to have 24 hours with no obligations. Why are you doing it? Are you doing it so that you can go back to work refreshed? Because if you are going to your Sabbath for the purpose of being refreshed for work, then that means your Sabbath has just been hijacked for the purpose of work rather than for the purpose of health. Let me say that again. If your Sabbath is being done so that you can go back to work refreshed, then that means the reason why you do that Sabbath is disordered. It's been hijacked. It's been taken for the purpose of working more. And that's exactly what's happening in the passage of Matthew that I read earlier is that sometimes people take the really good religious ceremony, ritual, rite, uh, and have misunderstood it in the wrong way. What does it mean for you and your family to take a Sabbath for your family's health, for your health? What does it mean to do a day of zero commitments not for the sake of going back to work but for the sake of being a human <laughs> it's so good Ugh. and and then we think about why we can't understand uh, or why our sabbaths aren't restful and it's because sometimes for some of us our sabbath has been hijacked into the service of doing work rather than maintaining or chasing health. So there's a few things. Here's, here's four of them. We have got to understand that Sabbath is actually a biological necessity that we need to have a rhythm to our day and to our week. 
it's very much baked into nature that there are, there are animals that have a season fully of Sabbath, which is totally great. It's also a treatment of time that we see time is special. But this is also really good. Uh, to cultivate a practice of Sabbath is about maintaining freedom from technology. Not a rejection of technology, but freedom from it. And by saying that we choose to be present to our own lives rather than diving into screens and technology and all of that. It's about freedom. And then the last one, which is so good. Sabbath is actually rebellion. To, to have a Sabbath is on one level a rebellious act. So if you've ever thought about having one day off a week that has zero commitments, that's punk rock. Like that is uh, like Jesus flipping over tables. That is going against the system. That is going against a whole culture that is that profits off of you being unhealthy. I've said it before, but like Western civilization sometimes is more concerned with your productivity than with your health. And so therefore to chase health rather than productivity is therefore a rebellious act against society. This is one of those instances where if you were to incorporate Sabbath as a spiritual discipline, you are being quite revolutionary and you're cutting against the grain of everyone else around you. But it's also true. There are whole industries that profit off of you and I having poor health because they want us to be uh, constantly on their medications or constantly going to the gym because we don't eat well. You could say there's whole industries that are profiting off of people having poor self-esteem. Cosmetics certain surgeries, like you can say a whole bunch of things that we live in a world that profits off of us being unhealthy and therefore seeks to subtly keep us unhealthy. So to cultivate a Sabbath, a day where you purposely chase your health and the health of your family, where you alleviate all the stresses of work and you give up productivity, you are doing something rebellious and every time you are doing good religion or having a good approach to spirituality, you are being rebellious in the right way. So maybe you say, I can't do this, John. I can't do one day off a week. I can't. Like, there's too many things I need to get done. Well, to say that is kind of self defeating. If you say that, it's almost like a prophecy that will therefore continue. But if you have a posture of, it's possible, you might find yourself end up doing it. Now, maybe this means in order for you to incorporate the spiritual practice of having a day off, maybe it means you have to restructure parts of your week. Maybe it means you have to change some of your commitments so that they happen earlier in the week. And maybe it means you have to just set up some better boundaries, which you are always free to do or free not to do.
And it's totally fine to sit down with other people. Maybe you have a family meeting where you all decide together how you want to approach making sure that you have a rhythm of Sabbath. Because if you are living with other people and you've got obviously a spouse or kids, maybe you need to invite other people into the strategizing of how to do a Sabbath together. I want to say one more thing and then I have a few tips. Um, I said earlier that yes, to do a Sabbath and to incorporate it as a spiritual discipline to your life, it might be, uh, it might be, it might be not having productivity as your main goal, that you should be pursuing health. What I want to say is that Sabbath and incorporating a practice of Sabbath is actually chasing a different kind of productivity too. Because sometimes we think that to sit there or to do nothing or to not actively do something that's earning money is not being productive. Well, actually, pursuing your own health to pursue joy, to pursue healthy relationships, to pursue cultivating spiritual practices, all of these things are actually incredibly productive because those things add depth and value to life. And so really, Sabbath, on one sense, is a matter of chasing a different kind of productivity. That on one level, you are chasing not being a slave to work, You are chasing not being a slave to other people's expectations. You are chasing being a fully thriving human being by saying, I will not be a slave to everything else that everything else tells me I should be a slave to. So here are some tips. We're wrapping it up. Thank you for listening. Here are some tips. If you have a smartphone, don't check your email on your phone. Just delete the app or sign out. Because the availability of being able to check your email any time of the day is actually encouraging poor boundaries. And you will be better able to sustain your work life if you are not constantly able to check your work email. Instead, it kind of gives you more drive to check your email and to do it thoroughly when you're on the clock because you know I'm I'm only going to check my work email at work. I'm not going to go home and do it, so I better do this stuff now. And so it helps us to have a better daily rhythm to do that. You can also purposefully set hours to when people can contact you. At work, I have my desk phone set up so that it forwards phone calls to me only between certain hours because the nature of my job sometimes I'm out meeting with other people and so I won't be in the office but I might be able to answer the phone when I'm finishing up a a lunch with someone or out at a baseball game with a high schooler that's playing so you can also say don't call me before or after these amounts of times Another thing is let's say Saturday is your day off. It's your 
Sabbath that you use to re-anchor towards the things that are the priorities. If somebody were to ask you, oh, hey, can we have a meeting on Saturday morning? You can always say, <laughs> uh, oh, I have a commitment that day. Let's, let's do it on Monday or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You don't have to go any further than that. You don't need to drop the, the, the leverage of saying, no, it is my Sabbath, because that can sound self-righteous, and maybe it actually is to say that. But you can say, no, I have a commitment that day, and then give it an alternative day. That's one of the ways in which it's a practical tip of how to protect the day that's meant for you just to be thriving, healthy, chasing after the things that should be primary. And I think you always have the ability to say no with everyone. But if you don't feel like you can say no to everyone, you need to ask what's going on there. So let's say you have a boss that says they need to meet with you on your day off. And you need to say no to that but you don't feel like you can. That is a cue that there's something going on with how your boss approaches it and then maybe also what's going on with you that you don't know how to say no to someone. And so sometimes uh, we don't have good boundaries because we have habits and we have expectations of ourselves. On one level, Every single one of us have grammar that defines our life, like grammar that structures a sentence. If you were to sit down with someone and ask them to write out the rules of grammar, they probably couldn't do it, but they know how to put a sentence together because it's ingrained. What is the grammar that defines how you go about your day and your week and your year? What are the unwritten rules that you are following that maybe are causing you to not have a sustainable life. On that level, it's a really good idea to sit down with someone else or to journal and ask, like, what is going on? What are the, the values that I have that I don't know that I have that are keeping me from living a healthy and sustainable life? The Sabbath, uh, at least in the times of Jesus, the Sabbath was something that was hijacked. It was kept sacred and it was told that it was valuable. However, it was valuable for the wrong reasons. And as a result, it ceased to be really the Sabbath. And so for you, what are the values for you to have a Sabbath? Why is a Sabbath important to you? And ask yourself if those values for having a Sabbath are actually for the sake of your social emotional, psychological, physical health, the health of your family, the health of your spouse? What does it mean? What does it mean to have the Sabbath as a day that re-anchors you in, into the ground of all being, into the love that's in the universe, the love that moves the stars, as Dante Alighieri says? What does it mean to make your Sabbath about re-anchoring you in the things of ultimate concern? Because if it's not about those things, then that means your Sabbath is not really a Sabbath because your Sabbath has been hijacked. 
And so I want to at least finish with a, a note of encouragement and hope. You can do this. You can. It is possible to set good work boundaries and to chase a different kind of productivity on a routine and weekly, daily basis. I've said it before. One of my favorite quotes from the Christian tradition is from St. Irenaeus, who said, and I'm paraphrasing because it's from Latin, the most wonderful thing for God is to see a human fully alive. Let your Sabbath be something that enables you and encourages you and leads you to be a human being that's fully thriving and alive. Because that's what good religion is about. That's what the whole Jesus movement was always about. It's about the full thriving of the holistic person. And that's not even being like new age or liberal or even conservative. This is just the message of Jesus. Jesus has always been about people living and thriving well. You can do it. Strategize about it. And maybe you'll see that you've incorporated one of the best spiritual disciplines of the entire Christian tradition and Jewish tradition of incorporating a Sabbath. May you reclaim the Sabbath for you, for your family, for every level, every part of you, for your emotional health, your psychological health, your physical health, for your spiritual health. May you reclaim Sabbath for you. And may you, in the midst of all of that, maybe find that God was always pulling you into greater and greater health. I think we're done. I hope this was a good one. So let us wrap it up. May grace and peace be with you every step of the way. This was Reclaiming (laughs) Reclaiming Sabbath with Heschel's help.